You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 84th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at the Relationship Center on Facebook and Instagram. Today I have a special guest, parenting and relationship coach, Phil Lynn. Phil is a board certified coach specializing in couples and family life coaching. With 30 years of pastoral experience, Phil's desire as a coach is to help people heal, restore and build happy, fulfilling family relationships. He has an intuitive knack for connecting with others in a matter of minutes, and his unique approach to relationships permeates everything he does as a coach. Phil is the founder and owner of the Trias Group, a relationally-based coaching organization. Thank you so much for joining us to share your expertise today, Phil. Well, Kim, thank you for inviting me on the podcast. This is a great joy of mine to be able to do this. I have some questions that I think our audience might be interested in. I know that when I do some work with parents, they often want to know, how do they make their kids obey them? Or how do they get their kids to do what they want them to do, but they really don't want to do it? How do you help people figure out how to do that? That's a great question. How do I get my kid to do what I want them to do and they don't want to do it? So the problem becomes when they don't want to do it. What we typically do is we resort to what we call external control. For example, we all do things like blame or shame. It's your fault. You're the one to blame. There's that sense of condemnation. We might have great intentions by doing that, by shaming and blaming, or we're in the heat of the battle. So we resort to that, or we criticize. We start to verbally attack our child's personality or their character traits. And we can do that by using words like always, you never, you always leave your toys out, you're lazy, you never. And when we say those things, it starts to go at the core of who they are. It's effective, they will do what we ask them to do, but the question is at what cost to the relationship? Another one is a really popular one to do and that's called nagging or guilting. We think that maybe they just didn't hear us the first time. So if I tell them five times, maybe that 10th time they'll hear me to go brush their teeth. Maybe they just didn't hear me yet. Again, Kim, the reason we do what we call external control behaviors is because it works in the short term. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, at what cost to the relationship Many times those controlling external behaviors start to push you away from your team, from your child. Wouldn't we rather them obey us or do what we want them to do based on an internal motivation or that we have cooperation and it pulls us together instead of apart? So the question, Kim, is how do you do that? If you don't want me to (laughs) nag, if you don't want me to guilt them, Well, what do you want me to do, Phil? The answer to that is what we call connecting behaviors. These are behaviors or caring behaviors that will draw you together and help motivate our child to do what we think is the thing that they need to be doing or the thing that they would like to do. 
So let me just give you two examples of what those connecting behaviors are. The first one is listen. So I kind of paused, help us listen. What we need to do here, Kim, is to stop telling and start listening. When our kids aren't listening, maybe it could be that we are lecturing. And when someone lectures to you, what do we typically do? We stop listening. Or we make a demand on our child, and that creates the classic power struggle. You say do, they say won't. And so there's this power struggle because you're telling and not listening. The way to remember that is we want to be an asking parent, not a telling parent. So let me give you some examples with that. The first one is how many of our listeners struggle with homework with their kids? So if we see a show of hands, probably all the hands go up, that struggle that goes on every night with homework, a way to tell your kids something versus asking is, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say, do your homework. That's telling. Asking and then listening is what are your plans for doing your homework? Now, what we're doing there is allowing our kids to think about that response and own their actions. And now they're more apt to do what they need to be doing. The second one is sibling rivalry. Maybe that's a struggle with some of our listeners. Telling is stop fighting with your brother. Asking is how can you and your brother solve this problem? And then listen and engage. How about this one? Whining with our elementary age kids or smaller. Stop whining is telling. Asking is How can we communicate more respectfully? When we ask those curiosity questions that invite discussion and then listen, we empower our kids. They start to own their behavior. They're thinking about what they need to be doing. Be an asking parent, not a telling parent, which helps us listen, which in one respect is a skill that we all need to learn to practice on. The second connected behavior has to do with be kind and firm. And with that, the and is the important word in that phrase, kind and firm. If we're kind without firmness, we just become a permissive parent and we're not comfortable with that. If we're only firm without kindness, it can become punitive. So we need both. So here's what that looks like. Kind means validating your child's feelings and verbalizing understanding. Firm means state what needs to be done. So we need to do both. So here's what that would look like. I know it's hard to stop playing. I'm validating their feelings and it's time to go to bed. I say, here's what needs to be done. And I can be firm with that. So it's both, not either or. The second example for understanding is I can understand why you would rather watch TV. I can understand that. So I'm empathizing with them and homework needs to be done. Basically, it's I love you, and the answer is no. It's a both and. And with the second part of the end, I'm being firm, we can give them choices. So it's I know you want to keep playing video games, and your time is up. That's the firm part. You could turn it off now, or it will be put in my closet. So you give them the choice, you're empowering them with the choice. So it's both kind and firm. And the way to wrap all that up to answer that question 
how do I get my kids to obey me? The really the, the most powerful way, here's the key. The most powerful way for us to influence our kids is the strength of your relationship with your child. We want to do things as we're interacting with our kids that will pull us together, not push us apart. When you're trying to figure out, hey, what am I supposed to do in this situation with my child? Because parenting can be overwhelming at times. We have to answer the question, will this pull me towards my child or will this push me away? Long-term, if you want influence over your child, it's the strength of the relationship. And that's critical in those teen years. I would say that is the key to how to get your kid to obey you when they don't want to. A lot of wisdom in that, Phil. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Do you think we could circle back to that sibling rivalry thing and when your kids are fighting and talk a little bit about how you help parents who deal with a lot of that sibling rivalry? I know when I was a mom of teenagers, I had two boys and boy, good thing my younger son was scrappy because my older son was bigger and they had plenty, plenty of fights going on over sibling rivalry. So how do you help parents dealing with that? Let me give you a real simple solution for a fight-free home environment. These are three things that we can teach our kids how to deal with conflict. And this could be even conflict at school. It doesn't necessarily just have to be at home. And this is a lifelong skill that they can use for the rest of their life. So it's really important what we're doing here. That's one of our goals as a parent is to teach our kids long-term how to be responsible, respectful, and how to be a contributing member of society. And so these are things, if we can remember, what can I teach them now that will benefit them in the future? So here are the three things. First one is you're talking to your son or your daughter. You are in control of yourself, not other people. Other people aren't in control of you. You're in control of yourself. And what that means is, if you don't like the situation, you can leave. So if you don't like the situation dealing with your sibling, you get to say, I'm going to leave right now. You're at school. You're being bullied. You get to say, I'm going to leave. Are you feeling comfortable in the situation, either at home with your friends, which is really important for them to learn? They get to leave. They're not stuck. They're empowered. They have a choice. The second one is, teach them to make a request and draw a boundary. It's really important for us to teach our kids how to draw boundaries. No means no. The third one is ask for help. If choosing to leave isn't working, if choosing to put up boundaries and the siblings not listening to those boundaries or someone at school is not listening to those boundaries, then ask for help. Get mom or dad involved. Get a teacher involved. So those three things, you're in control of yourself, make a request, draw a boundary, ask for help. The suggestion here is to have a family meeting. So everybody gathers around, wherever you meet as a family, not necessarily during a meal, around the kitchen table or in the living room. And you go over these three things and you say, here's going to be the family norm, the family culture in our family from here on out. For example, the second one on make a request, draw a boundary, it's really important for siblings to understand no means no. Sometimes a brother or sister can say, no, stop it. And what does that make the other sibling want to do? More of whatever it is. More of. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's when the arguing and the fighting starts. And so that we all have an agreement around that family meeting, no means no. And if it persists, you can bring that back up in a family meeting, let's say, and say, okay, remember, we're going to work on no means no. And by doing these three things and teaching our kids these three things, we remove ourselves from becoming the referee and it puts it back on our kids. Because what we can do at times, Kim, is insert ourselves too often or too quickly. And then we rob our kids the opportunity of how to learn how to deal with conflict. We go in too often and too quickly. I think by doing these three things, but we got to make sure that we teach them how to do this can really go a long way in dealing with sibling conflict or stopping some of the arguing and the bickering. And it's a big relief to us as parents that we don't always have to get in the middle of that. Yeah, I really like the idea of teaching our kids to manage conflict instead of writing in as the hero to try to make everything okay, because they're going to have to deal with conflict. Sometimes if the relationship isn't strong, they may be dealing with some major conflict they're not comfortable telling us about. They're not asking for the help and they're just suffering through it. So I like the idea of teaching them how to do that. Excellent. Sometimes too, Kim, when we become the referee, then we start taking sides. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you had two sons. So you might say to one son, okay, he's the hero. He's the one who was right. The other one's wrong. And what that does to your relationship, that now I'm removing myself from that. And obviously, we love them both the same, but the way we could come across is you're favoring one over the other. So don't put yourself in that situation. Good advice. So do you have some magic answers for parents who want to know how to keep their kids from misbehaving? Just get a magic wand and and wave. (laughs) That's a great question, because we all want it. I know that your two boys never misbehave, <laughs> but for the, re- <laughs> for the rest of us, here's really a secret or just a fundamental key to parenting. If we can unpack this and talk it through, Kim, we're all created with five basic needs. And I know you talk a lot about this on your podcast. We all are created, all of us, with these five basic needs, the need for security and safety, <clears throat> loving and belonging, our connection, power freedom, and joy. Our kids behave in certain ways to get one of those needs met. So they have a choice. Let's say I have a need for power. I'm going to decide what I'm going to be doing to get that need met. I have a choice now. I can get that need met in a very healthy, productive way or in an unhealthy, non-productive way. When I get that need met in a non-productive, unhealthy way, we typically call that misbehavior. Basically, those needs drive the behavior. It can be life-changing how we parent if we understand why our kids are doing what they're doing. It's not just that they're misbehaving and I need to correct them. The question becomes, why are they doing it? What's the motivation? What needs are they trying to meet? So our job as a parent is twofold here. We need to be able to teach our kids how can they get their needs met? Because we have the needs. Our kids have the needs. They don't ever just outgrow their need for love and connection, let's say. They're going to have that the rest of their life. We have to have all five needs met to be fulfilled. So do our kids. They're not being selfish. This is just how they were created. 
What we need to do is to teach our kids how to get those needs met in a healthy, productive way, not in an unhealthy way. So if our kids are getting those needs met in a healthy way, they're not going to misbehave. The second key to parenting is to provide need-satisfying environments. Not only am I teaching my kids how to get their needs met in a healthy way, I'm going to provide an environment in my home as a family, we're going to do things to satisfy those needs in healthy ways. And then if they do misbehave, we need to look at the underlying reason for why they misbehave. It's kind of saying, look beyond the misdeed to the unmet need. Mm. So why are they doing that? Maybe there's a need that's not being met, for example, like love and connection. So they're going to misbehave. Maybe our toddler is misbehaving because they're not finding the connection with mom or dad or both. So what does mom or dad need to do? You still deal with misbehavior, but in order to help that misbehavior stop, to stop it from continuing, you start meeting that need for love and connection. So here's Nancy Buck, one of your good friends, yes, who wrote a book called Parenting. She has what she calls magical question, which I think is a way to help our children, our teens learn what their motivation is, why they're doing what they're doing. If our child is misbehaving, you ask the magical question to your child. Question number one is, what is it you want that you're trying to get by picking on your brother? Let me state that again. To me, this is a very profound question to ask our child and helping them understand, why am I doing this? What is it you want that you're trying to get by hitting your brother, by whatever the behavior is? And then question number two, if we could figure out a way to help you get what you want and still follow the rules of the family, still be respectful, however way you need to fill in that blank, are you willing to learn how? What would happen if you ask your team, what is it you want? You're trying to get, I don't know. They respond with, I don't know. What you can do then is as you know your child and you know their needs, you can make a statement. Well, is it this? Again, you're teaching them. Maybe they don't know. And you're helping them understand why they're doing what they're doing. If you're wrong in your assumption, they'll correct you. They're good at that. I think that the secret of the fundamental key to parenting is helping your child learn how to meet their needs in productive ways and then providing that kind of need-satisfying environment in your home. So you're looking again beyond the misdeed. So it's not just about correcting the misdeed. There's a reason why they did that and figure out what the need is, those five basic needs and how to get those needs met. Right. It sounds to me that underlying it is parents need to not take the misbehavior of their children personally. It's usually not about the parent, right? It's about the kid trying to get something that they want. They're not trying to frustrate us. Although it could be that they are trying to frustrate us because they're mad at us. That might be that that's what they want, but it's less often that than something else underneath it. I like the idea of taking the time to figure that out. What do you know about the inherent conflict between parents and kids? And how do you work with parents who are in that conflict to figure out a win-win-win negotiation? I like the three wins. Win-win-win-win-win-win-win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's interesting, Kim, that we all have the five basic needs. We need all those needs met in our lifetime as our life goes along, our weeks progress. However, part of it's dependent upon the circumstances, but dependent upon who we are, there are different degrees of intensity of that need. So the need strengths are different for different people. For example, I have a high need for love and connection, for love and belonging. And so I'm going to do behaviors driven by that need more than a need for security and safety. That's not a high need for me. Where my son or daughter might have a high need for power of freedom. So they're going to do things to get that need met. Now with parenting, all parents have a high need for their kids and parenting for safety. We want to make sure our kids are safe and secure. And that's probably the world around. It's not just here in the United States. That's a beautiful need. We want to make sure our kids grow up and stay alive and are safe. However, our teenagers have a high need for power and freedom. Those two needs can just really clash. The teen wants to go to a party because they have a need for freedom. I don't want to be under the umbrella of my parents anymore. I'm stretching out. The parent is saying, I don't know that family. I don't know the parents. Will there be drinking there? Will there be drugs there? The parent has a high need for safety in those class. So how do you get a win-win-win out of that? Some parents just say, my need for safety outworlds your need for freedom. Therefore, the answer is no. It's just no. And that is going to frustrate the child because of their needs. So the question now becomes, how do you meet both needs? What you can do with that is, first of all, have an understanding of what your high need is and understand what the five basic needs are and why you have a high need for safety. And then find out from your child what their needs are. And we know in this one, it's a high need for freedom and for power and talk about it. Talk about, okay, I have a high need for safety. Let's say my son's name is Josh. Josh, I know right now you have a desire to be free to do what you want. And that's okay. So I'm not going to shame him for that desire to go to the party. So what can we do, Josh, and get them to brainstorm with you? You don't have to come up with these ideas alone. What can we do so I can feel safe for you? Well, maybe we can have the parents over for dinner before the party. I can get to know the parents. Or maybe I could go over to the party. I won't let your friends see me. But maybe I can meet the parents, you know, go into the kitchen and just meet the parents. Whatever that need is the parent has for safety, that need is being met. Maybe the need for the parent is if there is alcohol at the party and you don't feel safe, you can call me no matter what. If you find yourself drinking too much or the person you went to with is driving and they're drunk, I want you to be able to call me no matter what. So now that's meeting the need for the parent for safety. That's a win. The win from the team is they're able to go to the party. And so their need for freedom and for power is met. The third win is that win for the relationship. Now you're moving yourself towards each other, not pushing yourself away. Sometimes we find it's easier just to say no, but that might not be the best thing in the long run. And it's not good for the relationship. And remember, our goal is to train and to teach our kids how to be responsible adults. So what are we teaching our kids as we go through this? Because let's say they decide to get into a significant relationship. 
And they're going to have to negotiate a win-win-win. They're just learning how to do that under your home where you can teach them and model this and learn together. So I think that that is a key in dealing with that conflict is talking about what the needs are and how to get those needs met so that it is a win-win-win. And part of it is just brainstorming, which I think is a skill that we need to teach our kids how to brainstorm, how to think through solutions and come up with a solution that's a win-win-win. And they'll be doing that the rest of their life. Yeah, I love that. So could we circle back to boundaries? You talked about your kids setting boundaries. Do you think it's important for parents to have their own boundaries? Yes. It's going back to what you've talked a lot about on your podcast. The only person I can control is me. So on boundaries, instead of establishing a boundary of the behavior of my child, I can't control my child's behavior, but I can control my behavior. So I'm going to set up a boundary that I live with them that they will respect. And it makes me feel good. I'm not getting resentful and angry at my child. Here's the example, which might explain it better. Let's say I do laundry for my son. It's a choice I'm going to make. And I'm real frustrated because he's got clothes strewn all over the house, especially in his bedroom, dirty clothes all over his bed. So I spend a good amount of time picking up the laundry, put him in the washing machine. So that's real frustrating. I'm getting frustrated at him. I start yelling at him as we argue about it. So I set up a boundary that says, if your laundry doesn't hit your laundry basket, I'm not doing the laundry. So I'm not frustrated anymore. If he doesn't have clean clothes to wear for school tomorrow and he starts complaining, I get to say, I understand how it's frustrating, but I have a boundary that if your clothes don't hit the laundry basket, I'm not going to do your laundry. He gets to deal and live with the consequences of that boundary. So he goes to school with dirty clothes and wrinkled clothes that day. Probably if he wants his clothes washed the next day, those clothes are going to hit the laundry basket. It creates a more harmonious relationship too. When I create the boundaries and I stay with those boundaries, I don't keep vacillating and moving those boundaries. If I keep moving my boundaries, they're meaningless and our kids will know that. So they'll keep pushing them. Yeah. There's no boundary if you keep moving it. I like that because it's parents controlling the part that they control. They're not trying to control their kids' behavior. They're taking ownership of their own behavior, which I think is the only thing they can do. So I love that advice. Bill, I wanted to ask you if you have anything coming up that you'd like to tell our audience about. I do have a workshop coming up, a parenting workshop in September. You can go to my website or my Facebook page and get the details. But we're going to be unpacking the things that we just talked about on a short three-week workshop once a week. And it's a Zoom workshop. So anybody anywhere can join with us. And it's going to be interactive. You'll be able to, if you have questions or want to make comments, we'll be able to discuss these family issues. The things that we just talked about are key, especially in today's world. We live in a new world for parenting, and our kids are going through things that we never experienced with the internet, social media. And I know parents, many times you're at a loss. How do I help my child? Anxiety is going up and up and up with this generation. How do I help my kid with anxiety? How do I help my child navigate the world in which they live in today? How do I effectively parent my child and not live in a world of fear? 
Parenting workshops are very important for parents in today's world that we live in. I do have one coming up in September, and you could go to my website and get the details on when that workshop will be. Can you give the URL for your website, please? There's two ways to get to it. An easy way is fillin.com or thetreeisgroup.com. Either one will get you to the website. Okay. I'll be sure and put that in the show notes for people who are interested. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, I know you mentioned the website. Is there a way to contact you through there? Do you want to give a phone number, email address? Absolutely. You can set up an appointment or contact me through my website and that will send me an email or they can call me. My number is 520-850-6379. And that number is on the website as well. Okay. Terrific. Thank you so much for being with us, Phil. It's been a real pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you again. It's an honor to be with you, Kim. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And please remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing Bia Domofsky, an infertility mentor. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast. And remember to subscribe.